Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. Hey, wonderful day to you, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the Questions About Heaven podcast. We're going to take a step away. I want to deal with something in a very, very short uh, time here before I get back to Revelation. Thank you so much for following. Uh, As uh, Miss Andrea, our editor, has told us, to our wonderful surprise, we had prayed and really anticipated in the first year of recording these podcasts that we would have about 5,000 downloads to help people. And as of two days ago, Miss Andrea uh, posted and sent to me uh, through our texting that we have, if I can remember the, the number right, we have had 60,443 podcast downloads. So thank you so very, very much. This has nothing to do with me, my personality. It's the person of Christ. It's the promise of heaven. I just love whenever we think about this. You know, these different passages we've been looking at, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, in him we've obtained inheritance according to the purpose to the praise of his glory. We're going to experience his glory in heaven. There's wonderful explanations we see in the scripture. As a matter of fact, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 5, one of the names of the Messiah is the glory of the Lord. And that's just not the only name for Jesus. We have studied this and enjoyed so much listening and uh, and hearing of the wonderful, wonderful names of Christ that we will enjoy in heaven. He's the Deliverer, Romans chapter 11 and verse 26. He's the Lord of our righteousness, Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 6. I'm so thankful that we can know him as the Mediator, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, and of course the Messiah, the Prince, as we see in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 25. So many more names. It's the wonder of looking at the Lord and understanding in all of this, in knowing that he's the Alpha and the Omega, the Almighty, as it says in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8, that in this place called eternity, where God inhabits, Isaiah 57 and verse 15, that all things will be made new. Revelation 21 verse 5 promises the believer that all things are made new, unprecedented, is the proper uh, definition of that word new, kainos, unprecedented. So when we talk about this, there are times when we get to see the glory of the Lord and have comfort in those words, and then we talk about some other things that are necessary for us as responsible Christians here on earth. And in the midst of that, we know that there will be battles. We can, you know, take heart. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4, it tells us that the Lord will comfort us in our affliction. So when we go into this, Many times as I've had these podcasts and my different online uh, posts and live streams, we will talk about something which really gets people going, especially in the Christian community. Do you remember during Christmas how many people were absolutely livid with the fact that I would celebrate Christmas? And here comes another one. What I talked about, the Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22 through 25 passage of seeking the Lord, drawing near to God through the blood of Jesus Christ, and in there, drawing together to provoke, to energize, to incite one another for love. Love within the congregation, love in the community, and then to provoke each other to good works. Then we go to verse 25, which a lot of people really don't like. 
forsaking not the assembling together of yourselves as the manner of some is. It's the habit of some is, seeing that the times are short. And you would not be, you, you, well, I guess you would. I don't want to insult your intelligence. You would be surprised, I would say this, at the number of people purporting to be a Christian will ignore that passage and tell me flatly, you can go and look at the comments on the different social media where I presented this, and saying, I will not attend a church, quote, they all are corrupt, quote, they all are involved in uh, money, wanting nothing, but all of them, all of them, bombastic statements made by Christian adults, intelligent people, uh, very much. This is like saying all computers are, are, are spying on us uh, and uh, are, are taking our uh, credit cards and stealing our money and we have no idea. Or uh, all businesses have a, uh, a design to uh, poison our, our food in the fast food system uh, and all of them are corrupt and they're all poisonous and they're all dangerous. Or all cars are made to uh, uh, really uh, spy on you with their different software, and we have a lot of conspiracy theorist type of things. When we start using these universalistic terms, okay, all people over six foot six are basketball players. You know, we 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 make these statements, and they're easily struck down. And so I see these statements, and I was just uh, just totally puzzled. All churches especially the word organized, is a poisonous word to many people. Oh, if it's organized, it's bad. I say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. When you pull up to a gas station, convenient, Mart, isn't it organized? I mean, the regulation of the gas being poured out is regulated. It's organized. The cashier uh, gives you your change in an organized way. And as one person said in the comments, when another person was talking about, oh, you have to do this, you have to do that in a service, he said, well, you know, while we're talking about it, isn't this the way you go to a theater? You give them money, you sit down, you don't walk around during the, the, the time. Whenever the movie's over, you leave. And they said, so you're so against organization. Well, we could talk about that, but here's what I want to share with you. And during this time, before I start my class, so I don't have too much time. We had a, a respond, responding person who purports to be a Christian. Her name is Lindsay, Lindsay the housewife historian. And the reason I give the name is because this person is uh, free to post a, a public statement on this. During the course of my talking about the need for us to be together in corporate worship and in prayer, this was her comment, and I quote, And also, meaning me, Brad, and also, you're a white privileged man, so I wouldn't expect you to have a bad experience at church. I'm going to repeat that because a number of you are cleaning your ears and saying, what did you say? This person, she's a Caucasian woman, and she is purporting to be a Christian. Again, this is the quote to me. And also, you're a white, privileged man, so I wouldn't expect you to have a bad experience at church. Now, this is the danger of people wanting to win the next sentence and not knowing a proper dialogue, a proper discourse, or may you say debate. Because my followers on the different social media and ones here know that I and the other Zockles grew up in extreme poverty. When Dad abandoned the family, they're literally in our little Pennsylvania country, half of a house. They actually took the house and, and divided it in half. So a farm family is on one side, we're on the others. They, farmers in the area, found out about our poverty, the six of us little elementary school kids, and my single mom trying to, to, to do any kind of thing to bring in money. They would leave food on our porch. We were that poverty-stricken. They would leave food on the back of our porch that we could eat. 
Okay, hand-me-downs were the order of the day. My mom remarried. My stepfather was very abusive to her and to us. He would skip out of jobs, trying to con the government the best ways that he could. Uh, and we were, again, in extreme poverty there. Uh, the things that he had uh, endured us, we know now, I'm not going to go into it, but if we reported them at those days, he would be in jail at this time. And I don't wish to elaborate on that, other than the fact is, we lived, uh, my brothers and I lived, uh, our bedroom was in the attic of the house in which there was no insulation. Snow would actually blow in in the wintertime. I mean, do you want me to go on? White privileged. One house we lived in was condemned, was actually condemned uh, on there. It, so somebody makes comments like this, does not understand it, that in making things, these are highly, highly offensive, especially that we will not look at doctrine, we would look at the color of your skin. Isn't that tragic? It speaks more of the accuser than the one accused. Christians, we're above this. This is reprehensible. This isn't even sad. This, no wonder the non-Christian community uh, looks at us and says, why would I want to become a Christian? I'm a white privileged man. My friends, I'm speaking to you right now in a barn. <laughs> I'm speaking to you in a place where we had, uh, it was so cold last year that people were telling me on the different TikTok and YouTube, they could see my breath in the wintertime. Okay, so I'm not trying to start a spitting contest and talking about how poverty-stricken, but, but to make a statement like this, to go away from the doctrine and to do this, isn't it sad? Isn't there going to be a day when race will never be the conversation? I look to Revelation 7 and verse 9, and you do too, my friend, and we almost sigh in relief and anticipation of that time when John says, I'm in heaven, I can't count the number of these believers celebrating, they're from different nations, they're from different tribes, people, groups, races. They're from different languages, cultures, and they're all together celebrating Christ. They've been through the tribulation. They look to Christ. They don't look to the color of the skin. They don't look to the nationality. They don't look to the, the dialects that are different. They're celebrating the Lord. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10. Isn't it something to anticipate the time when all the Christians will be brought together as one under Christ? I think of Psalm 133 and verse 1. Behold, take notice how good it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Isn't that a precious thing? So, as I have to get ready for the class here, and so I've got to go, may we be careful when we are in a dialogue and that anger might creep up for us to say untoward things that even the non-unsafe community would see. And this was very bothersome, very bothersome. It brings to mind Psalm 19 and verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. May we put a watch guard over our mouth and a hesitation to our hands over the keyboard before we say or do things which would bring disgrace and dishonor to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all I have to say. I want to thank you so much. God bless you, friends. Be in prayer this weekend. I'll be in California in Salinas and then in Hollister, California, speaking to some dear friends. And this Saturday, I will be with the wonderful Hispanic community in Salinas, California at Landmark Bible Church and Sunday at Calvary Baptist Church in Hollister. God bless you, my friends. I appreciate you so very much. And Lord willing, we'll talk soon. In order for the Heaven Tour to continue fulfilling our mission, we humbly ask for your support. 
Your generosity allows us to continue to proclaim and explain the biblical truth of heaven and to mentor many. All eligible donations are tax deductible, so please prayerfully consider an end of year gift. You can send your gift to the Heaven Tour, P.O. Box 795 Pickens, South Carolina 29671. Thank you and have a blessed Thanksgiving.